morning, afternoon, or evening for wherever you may be joining us from today. Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. such an incredible power and anointing and the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place here today. You are here by divine appointment. It's not by accident that God has placed you in this facility today. If you're joining us online, I welcome you. You are here by divine appointment. It doesn't matter if you're in your living room, if you're in your kitchen watching from your sofa, that does not matter. You are here by divine appointment. I want to thank our worship team. Pastor Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you, worship team, for leading us this morning into an incredible atmosphere of of worship. I feel that there is a freedom in the Spirit of God here today. There is such an incredible anointing in this place today. God has got something for you. I believe that with all of my heart. God has laid something on my heart today, and I want to share that with you. I give honor to my pastor today, Pastor Steve, Sister Sherry. I love you guys from the bottom of my heart. You guys don't know how much you mean to me. And I thank you this morning for this wonderful opportunity. May God richly, richly bless you. We are certainly looking forward to you returning next week. This morning, I would like to read from Judges 7. Judges 7, verses 19 through 22. After we read the word, I'll let you be seated. But just stand with me just for a few more moments. Judges 7, verses 19 through 22. This is from the New Living Translation. It says, It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and his 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horn and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horn, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. I want you one more time. I've heard such an incredible crescendo of praise and worship in this place today. But I want you one more time just to lift up your voices. It's your voice. Lift up your hands towards heaven and give honor to the one that is here to fight 
your battles. Lord Jesus, God, we lift you up today. We worship and honor you this morning, Jesus, because you are the one that goes before us. You are the one that gives us the ability to stand before giants in victory. And God, I know that this morning there's a few giants that are standing in our pathway. But victory is in the house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. Most of you know this story well. This is the story of a man named Gideon. And he was the least in his entire family that happened to be from the weakest clan of the tribe of Manasseh. Coincidence? No. From the natural eye, it doesn't get any weaker than Gideon. But I'm not here this morning just to tell the story of Gideon one more time. I'm here to challenge each and every one of you with a principle, a thought. How could a man who believed he was the least of the least take an army of 300 men, none of which yielded a sword or a shield, and defeat a ruthless Midianite army, whose camels alone numbered the grains of the sand of a seashore, too many to count. If God, in 1184 BC, was able to perform the unthinkable for Gideon, could he perform the unthinkable in your life today? And if I were to title my message this morning, I would call it the point of no return. I want you to say that with me. Say the point of no return. Turn to your neighbor and say the point of no return. Point to them and say the point of no return. The busy Antarctic summer season of exploration and scientific research had long come to a close. By mid-February 2001, all aircraft summer research teams, they had all returned to their respective countries after spending four summer months crisscrossing back and forth, busy as can be across the snow covered continent. The season was only four months long. And most research stations at this point now were left with a skeletal crew to winter over for seven isolating months. No flights, no new faces, no fresh food. Thousands of miles from any form of civilization. It's a test of the human will to survive in the most difficult environments. And the winter, it had settled in swiftly and decisively. It was now late April, early May 2001. And as that twin otter aircraft, heavily laden with fuel, three crew members, one replacement doctor, and a whole lot of survival gear. 
as it left that uneven gravel surface of Rothera, Antarctica, a British base located on the Antarctic Peninsula, stretching up towards South America. 1,452 miles of unknown, of darkness, of uncertainty, of challenges. They lay ahead. The aircraft slowly climbed to 10,500 feet and settled into the final leg of this historic journey. A nonstop, 10-hour flight deep into the heart of Antarctica to the South Pole. Pushing deep into the heart of that continent with each passing minute. No one had ever ventured to the South Pole in the middle of an Antarctic winter, and for good reason. But in 2001, the sole medical expert, Dr. Ron Shemensky, who was one of 50 remaining people for seven winter months, he developed pancreatitis and would require simple day surgery that was not so simple at the South Pole. And that's when the call went out. You see, fear of the unknown, it can cripple even the most bravest of adventurers. 24 hours of darkness for months on end. Temperatures plunging below minus 7 degrees Celsius, minus 95 degrees Fahrenheit. Ice and snow-covered mountain ranges that extend for a thousand miles. Crevasses hidden deep underneath the snow-crusty surface with caverns plunging deep below the surface of the earth. You see, it's an inhospitable environment to survive on your own. But that didn't stop the call from going out. As the hours passed during that final 10-hour flight, and fuel became consumed, the most critical moment of that entire 19-day journey was fast approaching. It was the point of no return. The moment that would determine whether or not that crew would turn that aircraft around and have enough fuel to make it safely back to the place that it had taken off from. Or push forward into the unknown, towards its intended destination. Once that aircraft passed that critical moment, the point of no return, history was about to be made. You see, it took a point of no return in order for the unheard of to be accomplished. It took a point of no return for the barriers of human achievement to be broken. That same principle applies in a spiritual sense. God is leading you towards a point of no return. And once you step beyond the threshold, step beyond the barrier of the unknown, that's when God wants to be known.
You see, God wants to take you to a place where the unheard of happens in your life. He wants to take you to a place where your family experiences the unexplainable. It's the point of no return. Gideon! I hear you, Gideon. I hear the cries of my people. I see their affliction. I feel their suffering. Get up, Gideon. Use that strength you have to deliver my people from the Midianites. The call from God came while Gideon was in survival mode. Hmm. Gideon was busy threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the bits of grain he could from the Midianites. If he could just hide enough grain today, he would survive tomorrow. In that moment, that moment, God sent an angel to visit Gideon and reveal his plan to use him in a supernatural way. Hmm. It's not like on some of us to revert to survival mode when crisis hits. Is there a crisis taking place in your life today? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about today? Mm. You see, the enemy, the enemy wants to take you out once and for all. When you're retreating, when you're back on your heels, When you're in a defensive position, but my Bible, it says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We all need, in this day and age, a sound mind. You see, God, he doesn't dwell in survival mode, and neither should you. God is not a God of the retreat. He's never on the backs of his heels like some of us have a tendency to be. He doesn't operate on the defensive, but his position is always offensive. He knows the end from the beginning, and he's ordered your steps accordingly. Will you walk in it this morning? Will you walk in it this morning? Who will say, Mark, I want to walk in that this morning? Let me say this morning that if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, that there is a supernatural power that is alive and well inside of you at this very moment. And when you begin to activate that spirit inside of you, miracles begin to happen. As that song says, Jonathan, miracles happen When you move, you've got to put yourself into action. A transformation begins to take place in your mind, and a shift happens. Lives change. Families are restored. If you need to experience that sweet spirit for the very first time, or your tank is running a little empty, and you need to top that up to overflowing, then you are here by divine appointment. If you want God to do the miraculous in your life, if you want God to do the unexplainable in your family, today is your day. 
God is nudging you to the point of no return. You see, Gideon, he had to face his biggest fear. The Midianites, they were a ruthless people. They hated the Israelites, and for seven years, they oppressed them. Judges 6, verses 2 through 6 in the New Living Translation says, The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys, these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents. They were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. No doubt, church, no doubt Gideon was terrified of these people, that they would ravage his land like a thick swarm of locusts, being the least of the least in his tribe, in his clan, in his family. Gideon couldn't foresee the ability to lead an army against these marauders. And so through a series of requests, Gideon tests God. God, are you really going to do what you say you're going to do? Do you really did you really place that into my spirit, God? Or is that my own intellect, my own flesh thinking a little bit outside of the box? You know, God, I got to be careful. I don't want to expose myself and look absolutely ridiculous. I need to be careful so I don't lose control of this little bit that I have that gives me a sense of control. But the Lord said in Judges 6 and verse 12, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In verse 14, he said, I am sending you. Verse uh, 16, he said again, the Lord said, I will be with you. And in verse 23, he said, do not be afraid. I believe in 2021, God is speaking to some of you today. And he is saying, mighty hero, I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am sending you. I am commissioning you. I have given you power and authority. I will go before you. God wants so much more, church, for you. He wants so much more for you than what you can achieve here on this earth. Your education the pedigrees, the plaques, the status. He wants so much more for you. The miraculous in your life is what he desires for you. The unexplainable, where you can't take credit for your achievement because it's God's battle. It's God's victory. God is nudging you to the point of no return. Hallelujah. Gideon, you got 32,000 men, Gideon. 
32,000 men eligible to fight the enemy. But if I let you fight, Israel will boast that they saved themselves by their own strength and their own ability. This isn't your fight, Gideon. This is my fight. Think about this. Human nature will discredit the supernatural power that works inside of you because it's our human nature. It's flesh, not spirit. But God operates in a realm of the spirit which has all power and authority over the heavens and the earth. And so look at this. God paired Gideon's army down from 32,000 men to 300 men for the only reason that this was God's fight. It was God's victory. Hmm. How many people feel that God has been reducing your ability to control some situations in your life? God's been reducing your options. God's been reducing your ability to make decisions, to choose your own destiny. Rest assured, I tell you this morning, that this is not your fight today. This is God's fight. Ephesians 6 and 12, the Apostle Paul writes, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. In order for God to perform the supernatural in your life, he tends to eliminate the ability for you and I to take credit for the achievement. That's God nudging you to the point of no return. And when you decide, when you purpose that in your heart to push past that point, God will always come through. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you or fail you when you push past your comfort zone, when you push past what mainstream dictates Ha, ha, ha. You break down the walls and the barriers that separate you from the supernatural. How many have some barriers that they want to push past? Some walls that you want to push through this morning. God will step in and do what only he can do. John 8 and 36 says, He that the Son sets free is free indeed. God is nudging you to the point of no return. Gideon, with these 300 men, Gideon, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Get up. Go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. Gideon had to push past the fear that engulfed his mind and the impossible situation that lay before him according to his natural eye. God, is this, is this really you? Are you really speaking to me? I'm about to do something, God, that I've never done before. For seven years, my Israelite brothers and sisters have been afflicted by the Midianites. We're starving. We're dying. 
God, I'm about to become vulnerable. Everybody is talking about me in the village. These must have been the thoughts that raced through Gideon's mind. And God knew it. He knew that Gideon would need one last push of encouragement before he was ready to face the point of no return. And so God told Gideon, I want you to sneak down into the enemy camp and listen, Gideon, to what they're saying. And when Gideon snuck in behind enemy lines and listened to what the Midianites were talking about with respect to their dreams and how they were interpreting those dreams, something shifted instantly in Gideon. Pay attention to this. No longer did he see himself as he was through his own eyes. He saw himself as God saw him. Let me say that one more time. No longer did he see himself through his own eyes. Remember, he was the least of the least. But he saw himself in a moment through the eyes that God saw him. Verse 15, it says, When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted. This is the first time in this story you hear Gideon shout. Up until this point, Gideon's on the... God, are you sure? I don't know, God. I'm a little concerned about this. Things are not looking too good for me right now, God, but uh, give me a sign. Will you show me, God, that you mean business? And this here is the first time that we hear Gideon shout. And he says, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups he gave them each a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. Watch me. Watch me. Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. A shift in the spirit had taken place. Gideon finally got the revelation that the Lord was going to fight his battle. I pray this morning that somebody here, whether you're in the building or joining online, that you would get the revelation that the Lord is here to fight your battle. Let there be a spiritual shift in your mind today. God, I cannot do this on my own, but I need you to work through me in a supernatural way and reveal your glory and reveal your power. The point of no return. Gideon and his men, they finally took an offensive position against the enemy after seven long years. And when Gideon and his men 
raised their horns to their lips. The point of no return was fast approaching. Oh, it was coming at them fast. Fast and furious. For when they purposed in their hearts that they weren't going back to the old way of life, they weren't going back to the fear, the anxiety that crippled them for years. They were willing to put it all out there on the line and depend once and for all on the God of heaven's armies to deliver them from their enemies. One by one, starting with Gideon. They took a deep breath. They released that oxygen from their lungs and they blew those horns, simultaneously breaking the clay jars, revealing the torch inside. They passed the point of no return. In that moment, there was no going back. No going back to threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press in order just to have bits of grain to survive one more day. There was no going back to watching in horror as invaders would pillage their land, destroying their crops, taking what they pleased, leaving those Israelites stripped bare of food. No! Gideon purposed in his heart and shifted his entire thought process of seeing his weakness and inadequacies through his own eyes to seeing his miraculous potential and true capability through the spiritual lens that God desires to bring all of us to. You see, when Gideon made the decision to pass the point of no return, he did so in the spirit, not in the flesh. The flesh says, oh, 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 there's no way. There's no good that could possibly come out of this. This is utter foolishness. But the spirit says, come. Wade in the water just a little bit deeper. Come. Please come. Oh, I have ordered your steps and my plans for you are perfect. Come. Philippians 4 and 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I'd like to invite the music team if they would please come back. Whether you're here in the building this morning or you're watching online, there are those that God has been nudging to the point of no return. Some of you have felt that nudge for some time now, and God is speaking again to your heart today. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place this morning, and I stand upon the authority of God, that there is somebody here today under the sound of my voice or joining us online that God is speaking to you right now. God is nudging you right now. It looks different for each of us. And as I conclude this message this morning, I would like to share a short story with you. 
You see, I was working this week. I did a flight to Edmonton on Friday, and as I was returning back to Toronto, this story had been on my heart all week, and I couldn't shake it. And it was on that last flight into Edmonton, or to Toronto on, on Friday night. And as I'm coming in, I'm thinking, God, are you sure you want me to share this story? And God would not release me from it. So I want to share a very short story with you. I can't very well stand here and minister and preach a message about passing the point of no return without walking it and living it and experiencing it myself. You see, this message, this message has been 20 years in the making. God is birthing some messages in some of you. A couple weeks ago, Andrew shared that God birthed a message in him back in 2017. I believe messages are being birthed today. And so 20 years ago, this message began to take place and take shape. Because 20 years ago, it was God that placed me in that aircraft destined for the South Pole not just to rescue an ailing doctor although that's what it would have seemed like to the natural eye but God placed me in that aircraft to teach me the principle of pushing past the point of no return if I could just understand that principle in the natural sense and experience the benefits God knew God knew that I had the ability to apply this in a spiritual sense and so this is the first time that I share this story publicly and I do this with the utmost respect and I stand before you with humiliation. <laughs> I strongly believe that God is going to use this story to help somebody today. When Sean and I got married in 2013, we began saving for our future as any couple would start doing naturally. We were able to save fast and furious. In the years as they passed, we had a significant means to purchase a home. But I didn't feel in my spirit to commit that to a purchase. And so we relocated to the GTA in November of 2015 from the Kingston area, and we rented a home for a while, continuing to build on that dream still not feeling released to purchase. In the summer of 2017, two years later, 
We were at North American Youth Congress in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'll never forget that service for as long as I live. You see, Victor Jackson was sharing his personal testimony and preaching on the ultimate sacrifice. It was a powerful, powerful message. God put something into my spirit in that service. He said, Mark, I want you to give what you had been saving for your future. Some of you were probably in that service too, and you remember how intense and how loud that service was. But as soon as God dropped that in my spirit, it was like I could hear a pin drop in that Lucas Oil Stadium with 45,000 people worshiping God. Naturally, I looked at the people in the row beside me and I thought, God, you must be talking to them because there is no way you want me to give but I've, what I've been working towards for the last several years. God, there is no way you want me to lay down my earthly dream on your heavenly altar. There is no way, God. We had been good stewards with our resource. We had sacrificed time from family to work extra hard, make extra money, and save. We had decided to live below our means. But do you see where I'm going with this? It was all about what we could accomplish and not about what He could accomplish through us when we purpose in our hearts to push, push past the point of no return. God was saying, I don't want you to do this on your own merit. I have so much for you, so much more than just your stewardship, so much more than your ability to accumulate. God had other plans for our family. His plans included pushing past the point of no return and walking in such freedom and liberty because He will supply all my needs. There is no going back to the old way of thinking. There is no going back to relying solely on my ability to be a good steward. No. Rather, it's about what God can achieve through us. And just like Gideon, I tested God. But I couldn't escape it. I even ignored the call for a season, hoping it would just go away. But to no avail. It's the call. When God calls you to do something, it's not going away. Don't fight it. Don't resist it. Two years later, in 2019, we purposed in our hearts and shifted the way we thought about God nudging us past the point of no return. And in a single moment, we did what God asked us to do. The freedom 
let me tell you, the joy of living beyond the point of no return is like nothing I can explain to you with this limited English language. It's simply unexplainable, unimaginable. God will supply my need and he will fight my battle. Today, God is nudging all of us to the point of no return. What does that look like in your life today? Mine, God knew my heart. He knew my motive. He knew my intent. So mine was a financial journey of trusting God with time and resource. Yours will look inevitably different. But God may be calling you to ministry or to a mission field. He may be calling you to a more coveted, closer walk with Him. In order for Gideon to push past the point of no return, he had to purpose in his heart and shift the way he thought. He stopped seeing himself as the least of the least. And he began to see himself through the lens of the Spirit. Oh, I encourage you this morning. If you would stand with me this morning, I encourage you, whether you are here in person, whether you're joining us online and you're in your living room today, today is your day. God is nudging you to push past the point of no return in your relationship with Him. As God begins to stir your hearts, and I believe that He has been moving throughout this entire service, I want to open this altar this morning. If you're feeling that nudge from God to push, push, push past that point of no return, please come. God, God, I've been preserving this little bit of blessing today, hoping that it's enough to carry me through tomorrow. But I declare, I declare that I'm not going back to my old way of life. No, sir, I'm not going back to my comfort zone. No, I'm not going back to the way it used to be, to the way I used to think. No, I'm moving forward to the intended destination that you have in store for me. I've got my eyes fixed on the one who will supply my every need. Jesus, push. Who's willing to push this morning? Who's willing to step out and say, Mark, God's been calling me. I need to push just a little bit more. I need to get beyond that point of no return. I understand. It can be a little bit scary. I get that. I deal with that. I've experienced that. But God is saying, don't worry. I got you. This is my fight. This isn't your battle. This is my battle. I just want you to push. Who's willing this morning?
just a push. Come on. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message spoke into your life, your heart, or whatever situation you may be going through. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at lifechurch.ca on Instagram and on Facebook. Just search Life Church and you will find our navy blue logo with the letters LC in the middle. Now, before you go, we ask if possible from whatever platform you may be listening to us on, give us a rating or a review or even both and share this message with someone so that they can be impacted by the gospel of the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for your support and love you all. Have a wonderful week and God bless.